I would walk 500. No. No. I don't I would not walk 500 miles. No, I wouldn't do that either. That not to, not not to play a board game. <laughs> Depends on the board game. <laughs> Maybe Twilight Imperium. <laughs> the Holy Grail. <laughs> Hello, everybody. You are listening to Limited Playtime, the board game podcast, where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less. Or the next episode is free. I am Kyle Bolin. And I'm Jason Cavallari. Welcome back, Jason. We missed you last week. Aw, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah I, I appreciate that Todd stepped in, though, as the, the pinch hitter. The he did a fantastic job. Yeah, thank you very much, Todd. Yay. Yay. But now you're back, and we have work to do, because we are <laughs> weeks behind on our promise to talk about The Others. I know, it seems like we've been talking about this forever. Uh, I know. Uh, so The Others is a game that is, <laughs> is published by Simon, the Cool Mini or Not, or previously, the artist previously known as Cool Mini <laughs> or Not. Uh, the designer of this game is Eric M. Lang, who uh, we talked. Yeah, he did Blood Rage, he did right? Blood Rage, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so there's a he, he just seems like their house designer at this point, right? I kind of yeah, seems he's like done, he is, he's a whole bunch of stuff for them. Yeah, he's he's out there just knocking them out of the park left and right. So, uh, this is a game for two to five players. It is a semi co-op game. Well, I guess it's co-op in the sense that it's one versus all, right? So yeah. you can have up to four players playing as the heroes and one player playing the villains. Uh, sort of like Descent or Hero Quest, one Yay. of our favorite games of all time. <laughs> right. uh, it says that this is a 90-minute playing time on Board Game Geek. I don't know if that's true. We definitely played it for longer uh, than that. I suppose it depends on the scenario you play. Our The last scenario we played went on what felt like that forever. That was like two hours. That was a long two hours. Uh, I mean, so part, Jason, of, part of that time was like trying to reacquaint ourselves with the rules. It's probably true. So Jason and I have played this game twice now, right? Twice? Yeah. Once in 2016, uh, mm-hmm. after you picked it up at Gen Con, yep. and then again at Jason Con in March of 2018, <laughs> yep. uh, which was, we've talked about some of the games that we've played with Brian and Dave. This was one of those games. Uh, it was myself and Dave playing the heroes, and Jason was playing as the Sin? The Sin, yes. So in the game, uh, your the heroes are uh, a group of, I don't know vigilantes or something uh and they're they're <laughs> faith they're called yeah, they're, faith. the organization is called faith and they are uh there to basically combat the forces of uh of sin um, so this is a religious game <laughs> yes <laughs> you play you play as priests and pastors <laughs> with, with guns bibles. yeah, yeah. <laughs> nope they're bibles and guns there we they're are. big guns <laughs> <Yeah>. grenades <laughs> laser guns a satellite <laughs> i'd say yeah orbital strike there actually is an orbital strike in the game right yeah um <laughs> so uh so yeah so yeah the the heroes play members of this faith organization uh which i think stands for like federal authority for the interdiction of transdimensional horrors thank you very much i was almost there um <laughs> and then the other player plays uh one of the sins um and you can you basically choose which one you want to play uh, and they all have different uh different mechanics and flavors and um and all that kind of stuff uh so the two times we played the first time i played as pride 
Um, cause the base game only comes with two sins. One of them is pride and I forget what the other one is. I think it's probably sloth. Mm-hmm. No, wrath is an expansion. Anyway, the other five sins come as a uh, separate expansion packs. And so the second time we played, we played one of the expansions. I played as uh, lust. Um, and basically what you do is that the game is story driven. You play a scenario, um, and the scenario outlines the, uh, different win conditions for, uh, for the heroes. Um, and usually the, unless I, unless I'm mistaken and I'm not really remembering, but the win condition for the sin player is almost always the same. Um, so for this to eliminate hmm. all the heroes, right? Yeah. So for the sin player, basically he has to eliminate heroes until you can't replace <laughs> a hero. <laughs> There's seven heroes. There's seven heroes. Total. And every time one dies, you replace it with one of the ones that wasn't chosen at the beginning of the game. And when you can no longer do that, that's when the sin player wins. That's one of the more interesting things about the game to me in terms of the mechanics, because normally when you play a hero based game, your hero is out and either the whole team loses all like the the moment that one of the heroes dies or you just play minus one player or minus one hero this game you've got like well, a bench to pull from it's interesting <laughs> that, well sometimes that's... the the hero when it dies or whatever is only out for like a little while sure yeah like yeah, in arkham yeah. horror like they're right knocked out go, or whatever. go into the penalty box come out in a little while in a little yeah. while or whatever but in this one you actually are pulling in like new heroes from the bench sort of like you know like if you're playing football and you're you know your star players get injured or whatever then you can pull people off the bench that's I don't think I've played another game where it does that exactly, you know? Yeah, it's kind of cool, and it's almost like a like a, a sand timer or something for the game. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't dictate how long the game will play, but it, it definitely is a sort of finite win condition mm-hmm. uh, so that the game won't drag on forever and ever. It's one of those mechanics that also kind of makes you adapt to a changing um, the game changing a little bit because you know you're picking the characters that you're the most interested in playing at the beginning and as you lose those then you've got to oh well now I've got these characters that I was less interested in playing mm-hmm. and you've got to just deal with that you know yeah. um, which I don't know it's an interesting sort of dilemma to go through in a, and all in a the game. the characters all have different roles um, yeah or, you know broadly defined roles you know like tank or DPS or whatever I, they're called something bruiser but yeah yeah. <laughs> Um, so they all have different strengths and weaknesses and, uh, and aesthetic qualities. <laughs> so I think one of them is like a werewolf dude. Yeah. He's pretty cool. Um, he, he has two minis. Yeah, he does. Uh, and two character cards. <laughs> yes. Um, and then there's like a vampire lady and like a, you know, a bunch, bunch of other things. So, and they all look kind of cool and, um, and you can upgrade them with different types of equipment and all this other kind of stuff and, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, and then for the, the sin player, you get the, the whole, you know, army array of, uh, little hideous looking creatures. You get Cthulhu uh, monsters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you get, yeah, basically that's, I mean, they don't all, Cthulhu they don't monsters. all have tentacles, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So you get the, basically the, the avatar, which is the, the rep, the big representation of the sin that you're playing. The most impressive uh, mini on yeah, the board yeah. <laughs> at a time, yeah. Uh, and then you get a bunch of little minions of various types, and then there's also, um, uh, I forget what they're called. They're like allies or... We were fighting hobos. Thralls. Yeah, yeah, and be, you can basically choose like what kind of uh, of human minions you want. Uh, you can they, <laughs> you can get like hobos, I think there's nurses or doctors or something. I, I, it felt and a we almost always chose the hobos. hobos. I don't... <laughs> It's kind of a bad stereotype to, like, just (laughs) 
all hobos are evil or something. I don't know. I just I feel like there's something bad in there, but we keep doing it. <laughs> because it's funny. <laughs> it is. I don't care if that makes me a bad they got, person. They look like they, they, I don't know. They kind of, they're not painted. So like, I can't see all the detail, but like some of them, I don't know. I'm the way I'm remembering them, like is having like, you know, a big bag on their back or whatever. So it's like the hobo Santa Claus, but he's evil and he's trying to, I don't know, eat these hostages or whatever. And in the meantime, my werewolf is trying to rush down the hobo Santa Claus and kill it. And... <laughs> the hobo Santa Claus. Oh no. And then my, my werewolf is going corrupt and, oh, what am I going to do? <laughs> I mean, it, basically, it's just fun to mow down hobos. I, that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, only in board game <laughs> format. <laughs> Please don't go yeah. around murdering hobos. That's. I not feel good. like even if that was in a video game, it would be controversial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting off track. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, so that's the heroes, and then the sin. Um, the sin basically, depending on which one you choose, has one main mechanic uh, that affects. Um, the heroes and how they interact. So for example, when I played Pride, Pride's main, you know, uh static effect for the for the whole game was that um anytime one of the heroes was alone, meaning that they w- were in a space without another hero in that same space, um they suffered some kind of penalty. Um and then the opposite was true when we played with Lust. Lust was if uh, a hero was with one other hero in a space, uh, then they suffered a penalty. Because um, they're basically making out. Right, yeah. So, you know, thematically, it sort of works with what the sin is supposed to do um, in terms of its influence on human behavior. So, you know, prideful people go it alone and, they, you know, they're trying to, like, be the hero or whatever. And it leads to arrogance and hubris and all that kind of stuff. And then lust, you know, obviously, you get two people in a room together and they start start to... See, I think I would interpret it as the prideful people take a penalty when they're alone because they don't have anybody to show off to. <laughs> well, you know, whatever narrative works for you, that's why. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so there's the one main mechanic, and then basically what the, the Sin player does is, like, throw monsters on the board and try and uh, try and knock down the heroes. And uh, you also get a deck of cards that you can play, uh, play from your hand um, that do different things, either... Uh, in a combat or at the end of a round or something so you know there's a extra layer of bad shit that you can throw out there um and it basically works like any other dungeon crawler that you might think um i mean you might think of you know there's an objective uh the heroes have to get to it and and do it successfully and the sin player has to try and stop them in, in whatever means yeah, it, I mean, if, if if we want to be reductive, it feels like uh, sort of like an amalgamation of something like Zombicide, because uh, it uses a lot of similar mechanics to Zombicide for like board movement and activation and things like that, uh, yeah. and Descent, right? Because that's like sort of a one versus all thing where yeah. you've got non-game uh, um, dictated movement and actions for the monsters. You've got you know somebody actually doing that and playing against you, mm-hmm. uh, and that's kind of what it felt like to me was was a little bit of descent but a lot of zombicide and then just some little tweaks here and there with um the way the specific mechanics work and you know some certain mechanics that don't necessarily exist in those other games like with the corruption and everything yeah so there's a couple of things that um that is kind of talking about that, you know sort of make, set this game apart from a lot of other dungeon colors that you might think of uh and one of them is the the corruption mechanic um if you've ever Which played is very... this is Sorry. cool I like it. Say, <laughs> okay. I like the corruption mechanic. I like, I like corruption. Um, so if you've ever played Zombicide, you know how whenever you kill something, you get experience points. And as you level up, 
you get new abilities and things like that. It's kind of it kind of works like that, except uh, with a twist. Um, Kyle. Oh, so every player board has, like, a number of little circular cutouts down at the bottom. And printed, what is it, like, above or below those circular cutouts, Mm -hmm. um, it shows basically, like, buffs to your character. So sort of, like, perks that you would get by leveling your character with Zombicide, like Jason was saying. Um, But what happens in, in the others is that you can choose to take corruption, meaning that you take a little plastic piece and you stick it in the um, the hole of the corruption you want to take in order to get that buff plus, I believe, any buffs below it, correct? Um, like going from yeah. right to left. Yeah, um, going down the line, yeah. Yeah, so like if you need to like really just buff yourself for this one turn to, you know, kill this semi-boss monster, this like your mid-boss or the, the boss monster at the end of the game or whatever, you have this option to just sort of like, you know, supercharge yourself for a turn and then, you know, like pull out a bunch of extra hits or a bunch of extra defense or whatever that might give you uh but the downside to that is that now you are corrupted and it's irreversible and so as you work your way up that corruption track eventually uh because you can voluntarily kick the corruption to get those buffs but what can also happen is that you can have involuntary corruption which is rolled against you by the monsters which you then don't get the buffs from and then also, if you are, I believe if you're at the top of the, the corruption track, you just start taking damage. Yeah, you start so, losing health. Right. So you've got the corruption track, and then you've also got your health track, like your meat damage. And once that's gone, then your dude is dead. Right. Or, you or, your, or your gal, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, the corruption isn't totally irreversible. There are... Um, so on oh, the board... Right. There's like some cleansing spots or whatever, Yeah, right? so like, on the board, mm-hmm. each uh, building basically has uh, a number of things that are called city actions, um, and... They do different things depending on when they are, but one of them is uh, one that cleanses corruption. Uh, however, it's um, you can only use it like once per round or something like that, and yeah. it only removes like one corruption. I don't remember that being uh, a sort of mechanic that. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. swing. It doesn't swing the corruption so much for enough of characters, often enough, right? That mm-hmm. it makes a difference. It is. Maybe something that's going to save one character from turning in one turn. Uh, And and if that happens to be a very critical turn, then that might be very important. But overall, it doesn't really change the feeling that the corruption is irreversible and sort of a a big problem as you get further up that corruption track. Yeah, It seems to me that amongst the city actions, uh, a couple of them were very useful and a couple... The satellite. The, sa- the, the orbital satellite. strike. The orbital strike. <laughs> the orbital is strike is really useful. Very good. Because uh, it basically obliterates anything in yeah, the space. Yeah, it's awesome. It and uh, the, it's just, if, come on. Like, I've played I've played uh, Gears of War. I know how good it is to use that hammer of God, how much fun that is to just call down the fire from the heavens and just burn everything up. It's phenomenal. <laughs> it's one of the best mechanics in any sort of game. Actually, Video yeah, or board. Cool. Like, even <laughs> even though it was working against me, I thought I still thought it was kind of cool. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> uh, so there's the orbital strike, which is useful. The inventory spaces are useful. Um, so it's where you get equipment and stuff. And then the yeah. extra turn uh, spaces were pretty useful. Oh, yeah. We were, we were definitely making liberal use of the extra turn. Yeah, because each really character were. only gets two basically like two activations per round and if we got those then they got three so i mean all you know like you've got an extra 50 percent actions that's pretty huge in a game yeah. where actions are limited so yeah and so um so yeah so for the heroes they're you know the their actions are uh, are limited by the number of turn tokens they have and so there's you know two standard and then you can get some extra ones um the way that the sin player works um is that the sin player doesn't automatically get a turn 
Um, like in most other games, you know, like all the heroes will go and then whoever's playing the bad guy will, will have a turn. Um, in the others, the way it works is, uh, the sin player has a number of reaction tokens. And so whenever, uh, a hero player, um, or no, sorry, not the player, whenever a particular hero ends their turn, um, the sin player can choose to spend one of these reaction tokens to then take a turn. Um, the downside being that once you're out of reaction tokens, you're done until the next round. Um, so you kind of have to, and you don't have enough to react after every single hero does something. Um, so the, you know, the, the thing is there that you have to weigh whether or not you want to, uh, take a, take an action at this particular point in time, or whether or not you want to save that reaction token for later on. Um, because you don't know what the, the next heroes coming down the line are going to do. And that may be more important than what just happened. So there's a little bit of, you know, trying to think about what the heroes are trying to go for strategically and trying to parse out your limited number of actions, uh, across the whole round doesn't feel like it'd be that hard to me to do that since we're literally talking out loud about it. <laughs> what? Why? I don't get it. Why? Does what that... the heroes are trying to do? Like, you've got to try to figure out what the heroes are trying to do and know whether or not you need to save your action for that. Like, Dave and I were conversing out loud about what we were trying to do. Oh, oh, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, to, you know, it's, since there are some dice in this game, there's like a little bit of question about yeah the outcome of certain things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was, yeah. I mean, there's question about the outcome of all of it right other than yeah i don't know it felt oppressively difficult on our side most which of the time. is weird because the first time we played i thought it was i thought i thought i was completely useless well like i i thought playing <laughs> i thought playing the the sin player was like completely boring because i, I be, couldn't do anything to be fair that time i was just playing by myself <laughs> so you're blaming it on dave <laughs> <laughs> Well, I actually, it was more of like an introductory scenario, though, wasn't it? I think that we were... It was, it, yeah. So I think that probably it was just set up to be a little bit more forgiving for the players. That's my assumption, because um, I, I don't remember very vividly that time. I mean, it's been almost two either, years really. now since we since we played, but yeah. um, th- this time felt oppressively hard, and not because of Dave. I mean, it just felt like it was a very difficult scenario. Uh, the circumstances that we were playing in from round to round felt like they were stacked against us in every way possible, mm-hmm. other than, you know, the the orbital strike was always good but other than <laughs> right. that um it felt like things were definitely stacked against us um mm-hmm. which didn't make it a bad time it was still really fun uh but as the game went on i believe it, I, I started to feel like it was dragging towards like the last third of it or so and feeling more and more helpless just made it feel less and less fun because it was both dragging and feeling a little bit like i don't know why are we even doing this you know like it, it seems obvious we're gonna lose at a certain point so hmm. um, so that's interesting that, because having... from my perspective that's not how it played out like i i mean it, it might just be because i was winning but mm. toward, i still felt like even towards the end that you had some options i mean they were risky options um and they didn't happen to work out for you but um because you, you because you had made a major mistake earlier on uh in the in the story progression um you were at somewhat of a disadvantage but i don't think it was clear until the very very end that you weren't going to be able to pull it off yeah i mean there was a chance but it was like a remote chance is what it felt like right um (laughs) but i still i don't know i still felt like you guys had a chance at winning um because i was i was like really carefully planning what it was I was trying to do when I placed new monsters on the board, you know, what 
like I was trying to you know parse out what particular avenues of escape you guys had. Um, I also had to put new survivors on the board every turn, so trying to figure out where to place those and trying to guess like where on the board you might try and go next. Mm-hmm. Um, you know all those things. It felt like I really had to think about those choices in order to prevent you from winning, even until Probably. the very end. Probably so. I, you know, I, I just, it felt like we, uh, <clears throat> you know, we were running low on heroes there towards the end, and we were very, very high up on our corruption tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, very, I think uh, most of our heroes were, were had taken quite a bit of damage, and the people that were the most uh, capable of probably like escorting survivors that were up near your, because you had kind of like consolidated a bunch of like really big bad people down in the one corner of the board where we assumed the people that we needed to rescue were at. And I was just kind of assuming, well, there's no way we're getting somebody in and out of there. Right. Like that's kind of how it felt towards like the last third of the game or so. Yeah. Um, And especially after Dave, you know, made that big play that didn't turn out well. Right. (laughs) um, It it just felt like from that point on to me, it just kind of felt like, "Mm, I guess we're just going to play this out. (laughs) He sexed his survivors to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, on the other hand, I mean, I feel like you were, you had taken a bunch of corruption, but you were, you were like obliterating monsters right and left. Yeah. But you had consolidated a bunch of power around like, um, like your, your, your boss monster or whatever. Right. Down that's, the that's the one sort of ace in the hole that I had was that you guys were having a real hard time with the avatar. Well, it was like impossible for us to deal with. Like he was just so he was like practically invincible. And if 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 the people that we needed to rescue were around there, there was like almost zero chance we were going to be able to get in there, grab them and get away. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I, I don't remember exactly how the mechanics worked, but like it seemed like there was some it was difficult for us to like get in and get out of a, an area where there were monsters. And if he was one of the monsters, didn't he get to like attack us or something like that? Uh, yeah, it's every time you leave a space yeah. with a monster. Yeah, and so it just kind of felt like, I don't know, like running into a meat grinder to try to rescue yeah. a bunch of puppies. Well, and I think the, the problem in this particular scenario was that um, it was supposed to be like a subway or a tunnel or something mm-hmm. that I couldn't I couldn't move through. Like, I my monsters couldn't follow you through that. Yeah, you and know so what? I, I had tried some, to. I had I, some plan in the mid game. I'm trying to remember now the specifics, but I was thinking of going some other direction than what Dave was thinking. And I think that later on, I was thinking that if we had done that, we might have had a better a better chance mm-hmm. at rescuing a bunch of the survivors, like going yeah. around the long way rather than the short way or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and was yeah, because like you t- kind of teleport from one area of the board to the other when you use that subway, right? Yeah, yeah, the board yeah. was in two separate areas. Okay, that's yeah. Okay, but anyway, um, yeah. anyway, anyway that's just, just yeah. That's just how I remember feeling is that like you know the game was you know pretty fun up until about the you know two thirds point, and at that point because it had been going on a while, and also just because like it kind of felt hopeless at the time. So those two things together, it just kind of started to drag for me a little bit. I think that was also around the time that Brian kept coming down and saying, "Oh, you guys are still playing." <laughs> oh, you guys are still playing? Probably because it was kind of because he wanted to go to dinner or something. <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah. we were doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that it started to kind of slow down there and we were maybe like overthinking our turns sure. in a situation where it was just basically we were screwed. So, yeah. Well, so overall, how do you how do you feel about this game? I think it's good. Um, you know, I think that it's it it takes a genre, you know, the dungeon crawler, uh the the one versus all dungeon crawler especially and it 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 does a few interesting, unique things that other games don't necessarily do, like with the the sort of bench 
you know, a certain number of heroes warming your bench with the corruption track being able to voluntarily move yourself closer to defeat, but also getting some benefits for doing so. Uh, it, it offers those things, which are interesting twists, but other than that, it kind of felt like a standard, um, you know, co-op, mostly co-op game, right? It, it mm-hmm. feels a bit like Zombicide to me, and if you've already got a bunch of Zombicide, if you've already got Descent, I don't know if this is necessarily worth adding to the collection, mm-hmm. um, especially knowing that the base game only has two of the seven sins in it. Yeah. Um, that's one of yeah. my, my big drawbacks, it, actually. It's it, like you're yeah. going to make a game around the Seven Sins and you only include two of them. That's It, it feels like a poor value. Um, like, I'm sure that there's uh, quite a few scenarios in there and everything, but like, yeah. just playing against two Sins over and over again would probably start to feel a little bit old. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and just given the rest of it, that you know, there's already other dungeon crawly games out there that are maybe like a little bit deeper in terms of strategy maybe like a little bit more interesting to me at least in terms of theme like i'd rather play a star wars dungeon crawl and go play imperial assault than this probably Mm -hmm. um then i'd say like you know i don't think that it necessarily belongs in a collection unless you're really hungry for if you don't have a one versus all game you don't have a lot of dungeon crawlers and this particular theme appeals to you or the particular mechanics that we've talked about like having like a deep roster of heroes to pull from as well as like you know sort of this risk reward uh mechanic of voluntarily taking corruption in order to get some benefit if those things sound really cool to you then you know this is a game that is probably worth trying out at least um but i think that you need to go into that knowing that maybe don't purchase it right away because of the the value issue that we're seeing with the the limited number of options um so maybe try it out and if you really love it then buy it um, and sort of invest yourself in the system. Um, but it's definitely an investment because you're going to need to buy probably more than two sins in order to really get your, your fun out of it. Yeah, it is a, it is a bit of a money investment and I, I agree. It's not significantly different from a lot of other dungeon crawler games that I think it's, uh, you know, a must have or anything. Uh, for me, I, I, I think the game is fun. Um, I like it a lot better than Zombicide actually. Uh, (laughs) um, but like you were saying, like I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think that it's worth necessarily um, going out of your way to acquire this particular game. Yeah, I think it's likely that people will probably have. There's more people that have Zombicide than this game already, right? And so oh, yeah, if you already true. have Zombicide. <laughs> It's not that much better than Zombicide. It's not that much more fun than Zombicide. Also, if you don't necessarily like playing. Um, one versus all types of games. Uh, if you don't prefer that over full cooperative games, then Zombicide is still going to be something that you prefer over the others. Yeah. Unless yeah. you really like the theme, which I happen I happen to really like the theme. So You like um, those religious games. Yeah, I do. <laughs> if there's one thing you should know about me. <laughs> I mean, it's basically a Cthulhu game, and you like Cthulhu, so that's, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's give ho- me a big old it's a horror game. squid tentacle monster, and I'm exactly. happy. Exactly, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're coming up on the 30-minute mark. Uh-huh. So we should probably wrap it up. Okay, well, we need to tell everybody how to get a hold of us. Oh, okay. That you're so good at that. I'm so glad you're back to do this because <laughs> I just like zone the one out. thing that I can do. Well. I take a mental breath while you do this. <laughs> okay, well, get ready to relax. <gasps> all right, so if you're interested in getting in touch with us, you can reach us uh, through email. It's lptthepodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Uh, you can tweet at us at Limited Playtime, or you can go to the website limitedplaytime.com that will redirect you to the amazer.com, which is where we are currently hosted. Mm-hmm. 
Next week, we're going to be talking about... Did we decide what we're talking about? Yeah. Clank. 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 Clank Clank makes sense. We're going to be talking about Clank with an exclamation point. (laughs) That's right. That You have to say it exactly like that. Uh Uh-huh. Clank. Uh, and, and maybe a little bit uh, Clank in Space, because that's the version that I have. And, uh, I, yeah, and I, I have not played add, it, so. Yeah, I'll add two cents about that, too, at the end or something. So, Cool. Look forward to that next week. Clank. All right. Thanks for listening, <laughs> All right. everybody. All right. See you next week. Later. Bye. Bye.